Well, hey there, everybody. Howdy, howdy, buzzards. This is Macy. This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzz Killers. <laughs> I just went all over the place with that one. <laughs> I was like, Buzz Killers. <laughs> oh my, no, <laughs> Sorry for your earlobes. Hi, ball, guys. Ear balls. Yep. Ear balls? Your ear balls. It's like your eyeballs, but it's your ear balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is crazy. Hi, all. What's going on, fam? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it is Friday. Our buzz killing fam. After a long week of work. Yes. But <sighs> it is Friday, friends. And we are on episode three. Yes. Of the Cecil, yes. I yeah. Know. I just second guessed myself on that Cecil Hotel Month. Yes. And I was watching a documentary for this case, and they, there was like this one person that kept saying Cecil. And I was like, no. It's a Cecil. I well, don't. actually, it's the stay on Maine. Now. I was going to say, no, it's the stay on Maine because they want you to forget about all the bad things that happened. But. Well, they have we to have keep it. They don't they have to keep part of it as like. um. It's As low-income housing. Yes. They are legally obligated to keep part of it. Like half of it or something like that. Yeah. So part of it's hotel and then part of it's low-income housing. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, guys. Do we, do we have any business? I mean, we have our wine to talk about, but I don't know if we have any business to talk about. I don't really think we have a ton of business. I mean, it's spooky season officially, which makes me really <gasps> happy. I hung up all my decorations and put them all outside, although my big spider web fell, and I'm still really bitter about that. We have to fix it. <laughs> you need a taller ladder. And not just tape. <laughs> I'll bring Tyler over, and we'll all do it together. Or Ryan, they'll do it together. Ryan was like, packing tape, that's a great idea, and how to hang this outside in the weather and the elements. And I was like... You know, and the next day you came out and you're like, "This is broken," and it was half collapsed. We had a terrible thunderstorm that night, though, so it's okay. I have I have a decoration to fix. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, my gnome! His little hat, his little head is broken, and I'm trying to figure out how to fix him. Poor little guy. Other than just like filling him with sand. <laughs> you could. Yeah, I mean, I could. Um, it's a little garden gnome, and he's like a skeleton. He's great. I love him. <laughs> what did I name him? Billy, I think. Yes, you like did. Because it's spooky. Because it's Billy Butcherson after him. Not that he doesn't look like that, but he. At all. But at all. But it's a spooky it's, name. It's a spooky name. Billy. Billy. I know what it means. Anyway, let's do our <laughs> wine. The wine. The wine. We're going to do our mouth feels. Love the mouth feels. Guys. Macy. <laughs> tell them what we're drinking. We are drinking Once Upon a Vine again for the second week in a row. Hell yeah. The Big Bad Red Blend. <laughs> this is the one I originally picked up before I found the Lost Slipper. Oh, okay. And then I saw the Red Slipper, or the, the Slipper one too, and I I had to get the both. And there <laughs> is a third one, but and I know there are more than just those three, but those were the ones that I saw. Yeah. Um. But it was a Pinot Noir, and I'm not. I don't think I've worked my way there just yet. Anyway, guys, this is a California red wine, and I the label. <laughs> okay, who's afraid of the big red? I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Who is afraid of the big bad red blend? You have to say that really 
I was gonna say that would that's a tongue twister. Yeah, big bad red blend. <laughs> big Woo. bad red blend. Not us. We love the big round flavors of California reds, and this blend is one of our winemakers' favorites. Velvety rich and sumptuous on the palate. <laughs> the ripe berry and chocolate flavors meld into an aroma so enticing, you might even say, "My, what a big nose you have." Is that really what the bo- the back of that bottle says? Yes. Oh dear. God. What did you think I was reading? That's <laughs> just that last part. <laughs> no, it says that. I did not make that up. <laughs> ten out of ten. Their marketing. <laughs> right. <laughs> not mine. All anyway, right. let's try this. Let's try it. Let's do it. Whew. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I gotta try it again. It's not bad. It's just like tangy in the way it's hitting my tongue. Like a sour. Like it's a got, sour beer, how that hits. Yeah, it's got like this acidity that's hitting the back of my tongue right now. And I, every time I go to swallow, I like almost twitch a little bit. It's like it, it gives you like a spark in your brain. You're like, Yee. yeah, it's not like and it's not. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just like it's not what I was expecting. At no, all. no. It smells like I got the berry. Maybe it's the berries. I mean, it did say berry and chocolate. I get the chocolate like I, in the aftertaste. You want a sip? Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like the aftertaste. Like. It's just when it, it's when it's literally it's when it hits those taste buds in my mouth. My I like bleep. I don't know what that means, but I bleep. <laughs> Guys, I uh so um mouth feels. What are you what are you feeling in from one to five? <laughs> See, okay, I have this problem where I don't like to be mean. But personally to me I'd give it a two. Out of all the wines we've tried, it's definitely not my favorite red. It's okay. not bad. It's just not up there. I'd give it a three. So five out of ten mouthfeels. That's crazy. That does sound crazy. In America, that means you failed. <laughs> oh, my God. No. No. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Ameri- American logic when it comes to giving grades. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> you still got half of the shit right, but you failed. Uh. Yep. No, um, no, I like, I like it, but it's, it kind of has that like, and I like sour beers. I do too. But so that, but it, it does, it hits you, it hits you pretty hard. I was gonna say it's not the taste I want from wine. I'll take that from a sour beer. But okay. when coming from, I like. Especially because the aftertaste I get is so good that it's like I wish that that was all I tasted. I wish mm. it didn't hit me that weird because way. Because it's like, because the berry, it, I feel like it's very berry forward, very acidic right up front. Yeah. And then when you get the aftertaste, it's like, then the it's chocolate. Like, it's, it's like dark chocolate. Then the chocolate, yeah, comes into play. But not right uh, at the get-go. Yeah. Okay, guys, so... Five out of ten mouthfeels. I don't think that's that's like a record. That's, that's the lowest I think we've gone so far. Although I think there, if 
see we started rating we started the system of rating by mouthfeels kind of later on and so there's a lot in the beginning of this podcast that we did not give mouthfeel ratings to and i know for <gasps> fact there was i just had a brilliant idea i want to know it do, okay. do you want to talk about now or do you want to talk about later <laughs> i'm gonna pop i well finish what you were saying okay <laughs> <laughs> but um there was definitely one i know there was one red wine that we tried and it was like i want to say it was a couple months ago oh now it's freaking like september i don't even know what day it is it's probably it was probably like six months ago that we tried and we we didn't even finish the bottle before the end of the episode there was it was just like one of the red wines that the two of us were like that was not that good that I know I think I can't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember what it was. Because I remember having a lot left in my glass, and I was like, I physically can't make myself drink this. But it was just <laughs> because I don't yeah. have a palate. I don't have a strong palate for red wine. Some people might like this. This is just, remember, this is personal opinion, yes, guys. Yes, we did. This is just because <laughs> it's not like, we're not professionals at rating wine or whatever. I'm not a sommelier. I don't know shit. No, my sister's, I just, my sister's cringing in the corner right I now. I just like, I like <laughs> to try wine. I like to drink wine, and... To me, this is... To me, this is something that I wouldn't drink on a normal... Like, this isn't the red that I would go pick out. And we also happen to have very similar palettes, too. (laughs) So, one thing I did want to mention before we start our episode recording today... So, we do have business. We do have business. (laughs) It's not necessarily... I don't want to call it necessarily business, but it relates... We do have something that we want to talk about. It relates to our business. We are well aware, uh, as well as we think most people are right now in the true crime world, about Gabby Petito and, and her disappearance. And her disappearance on everything that's going on with her boyfriend and her family and their family. We are 100% keeping up with that. We are thinking about doing probably a mini on it at some point, but right now it is so hot and so active that I just don't want to. I don't want to rush it. There's a lot of stuff coming out right now, and I feel like within the last couple of days, it's been like new development, new development, new development, like very, very quickly. And it's difficult to keep having to do like updates. Like I want to have a lot of information, and then if we have to do a couple updates, like yeah. Um, I will say that my my source personally for keeping up has been True Crime Society. True Crime Society. Um, yes. They have a wonderful blog post right now. And fun enough, they actually have a timeline. They have it like. That's so smart. I haven't looked since they added that. Um, at the very bottom, there's like a date by date play of what's been going on with like a very brief summary. So it's like this happened nice. on this day, this happened on this day, and they're doing they're doing a really really great job keeping up. So if you want to know anything about Gabby Petito, I tell like 100 percent go over to truecrimesociety.com yes um also they have a great podcast like go check them out (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) random shout out but um and for those who do not know gabby petito went missing um she was reporting a reported officially missing on september 11th Mm -hmm. um the last time her mother heard from her was uh via text message on august 30th but they're not even sure that she was the one that sent that message yeah the last time she directly the family directly spoke with gabby was august 25th Um, the last time she was physically seen by anybody outside of her boyfriend was the day before when they checked out of a A hotel. hotel. Um, so seen on the 24th, talked to on the 25th. And since then, nothing, um, supposedly one text message that said that she didn't have cell phone service. 
and I'm not going to dig deep into this right now. I could freaking deep dive into this explanation <laughs> because I've been, I've been following this so hard. I like dropped the whole story onto Ryan last night who had no idea what any of this was. And I was like, you have to hear about this. Tyler knew what it was. He knew what it was. And it's funny because now he <laughs> follows like true crime things so that to like send me every once in a while. Aww. So he was like, did you hear about this case? And I just went on a tangent for like 30 minutes. <laughs> about like it's ridiculous and like they got this text message but he was in back in florida the next like within two days that timeline like is alert work we looked up on mapquest <laughs> how far it goes well mapquest what am i talking about my like 12 <laughs> you just dated us so hard <laughs> mapquest mapquest i looked it up on mapquest i looked it up on google maps and i found like how much well you found but i went and looked later i was like i want to see this and yep it's a long time without stopping at all to drive from yeah. California so where Yosemite is to Florida. Just like a brief explanation here is basically they were her and her boyfriend travel in one of those like um, renovated van, vans yeah. and they were visiting Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. They were supposed to be headed to Wy uh, Yellowstone National Park. That is what she told her mother. And then the text message that she uh, her mother got five days later said she had no cell phone service in Yosemite, which is completely which is not not in Wyoming. That is very much in California. And then two days later, her boyfriend showed back up at home at their house in Northport, Florida, which is a forty-hour straight drive with no stopping. Two days later. And so supposedly he went from Yosemite to Northport, but no one believes that he immediately lawyered up when they started questioning him. Him, his, him and his family will not say anything. Nobody knows anything but these people. There was a girl that and was that was actively searching for there her. There was a girl that was spotted. They, but they don't have determined think, that that was not I was going to say they basically said that's not her. Yeah, she did look she looked she looked I, like very her. similar but i you could see the features on her face were just not the same yeah and the tattoo i don't know if the tattoo was the same you could be like they it looked like maybe she had one in the same place but yeah it might not have even been the same thing. um like yeah there's yeah, so so far they're still searching for her if you guys know anything please contact authorities contact authorities please because contact authorities. her family is, is just they just want answers they want to know where their daughter is She's, I believe, 23. Or 22, 23. 23. She's very young. Just a sad case overall. And we have been following it. So, like we said, we might do a mini at some point to talk about that. But we wanted to let but you know that we... Yeah, we are aware and are, are actively following and just... Actively, yeah, actively following because I want to... We want to make sure... I want to make sure she's found. And I know it sounds terrible, but I want her just to be found in one way or another. I hope her family gets answers because a lot of people just yeah. go without answers and her family deserves something. Right. They deserve to know. And I can't even imagine what they're going through right now. My heart yeah. breaks for that whole family. Yeah. It's really sad. It was very sad. So <sighs> oh, on that sad note, I might as well tell a sad story. <laughs> oh, man. Nicole, what are we talking about today? So, what is probably one of the most infamous cases at the Cecil Hotel? Uh, you, most of you probably guessed that this is going to be something we talked about this month. Is the mysterious death of Elisa Lamb. Elisa Lamb. So, 
let me tell you a little bit about Elisa before we before we dig deep. Um, Elisa was born on April 30th of 1991. Um, her parents were David and Yina Lam. She had uh, one younger sister whose actually name I could not find. I think they might have purposely left that out. She was younger, wasn't she? She was. She was younger, but I, I for some reason, I could not find her name. And so I just opted to leave it out because okay. I wasn't sure if that was something they wanted known because they didn't say it at all in the documentary. Um, and that I will give a big shout out to. Everybody probably knows about it by now. It came out a while ago. Last summer. There like is a year ago. Holy shit. Is it really that Netflix long ago? Yeah. Yeah, a year ago. Oh my god, that's scary. Because I watched it last summer. Where is time going? Why am I old? Anyway. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Your boyfriend just turned 30. Mine turns 30 in 30 days. <laughs> I turned 30 in a year. You are like I years got, from that. I got three years and like four months. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> I turned 29 this year. You old? No, I'm kidding. I'm fucking old. Yeah. <laughs> I literally cricked my neck today and I was like, oh no, it's starting. Oh, oh God. I've been doing that for a while. My back is the worst. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, or, or my sorry. knees. Those are terrible too. Tangent. I'm going to be like 60 and need knee replacements. Um, <laughs> I am so sorry to everybody listening to this right now. Oh, <laughs> man. It is definitely a goofy Friday mood. Um, So... At a very young age, Elisa and her family immigrated from Hong Kong to Canada, mm-hmm. and they settled in Vancouver, British Columbia, and her parents actually opened a restaurant there. Um, she There isn't really a super tongue about her upbringing. Um, I, um, she basically grew up, she was smart, she ended up attending college at the University of British Columbia. Um, she became a very elegant young woman. She was long. She was long. <laughs> she was tall. <laughs> I, <laughs> I read long hair and then tried to say the word tall and my brain said she's long. <laughs> she's long. Okay. I'm so sorry. She's a very. She <laughs> no. <laughs> she's actually not tall. I don't know where my brain is going right now. She's about five foot four, honestly. She um, was a very beautiful woman. She had long black hair, brown eyes. She was slim. She um, was fluent in Cantonese and English. Cool. Bilingual. Um, uh, When she was growing up, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, which she did take medications for, um, for both. Okay. Um, she was a frequent blogger. She had a Tumblr, which I will s- let you guys know it is still active today. If you would like to view her Tumblr, oh, that's uh, nice. I have linked it in the show notes. Um, uh, she had a huge desire to travel and see the world. Um, she was just, she just seemed like such a nice young girl that hadn't gotten to experience life yet. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. I'll tell you a little bit about what's about to happen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling with my brain today. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm going to say sorry 84 more times throughout this episode, too. Um, <laughs> so in January of 2013, uh-huh. Elisa is 21 years old. Okay. And she has decided that she just needs a break from her studies. and She really wants to travel. Um, her parents were really hesitant to let her go. She wanted to take a trip on her own. 
and her bipolar disorder caused her to have um, psychotic episodes where a lot of times she could disassociate and she would do things and forget that she'd done them and it could be very dangerous for her. Okay. But at this point, she was steadily on medication, had not had an episode in a while, and she told her parents, like, if I go, I will check in with you every single day. We will be in constant contact. <laughs> Sorry, your face when you drank the wine again was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and sh- they, were, it, like, took some convincing, but finally they were like, okay, like, you just need to stay in contact with us. You stay in contact. You stay on your meds. Exactly. Go ahead. Um... So she actually wrote about this on her Tumblr that she really just wanted to get away for her sanity. She just needed a mental break. Um, she, ma- she planned this trip down the West Coast um, and she was going to travel through California and she was going to go from San Diego to L.A. to San Francisco to Santa Cruz. Um, and she traveled via bus, via train. She never flew. Um and kind of just made her way around on public transport, walking, things like that. Um, okay. And throughout this process, throughout the, her trip, she was frequently blogging. She had her laptop with her. Um, she would post about what she was up to, you know, where she was exploring. She talked about, you know, her depression and sometimes just, like, random thoughts. Um, she again. wrote, like, poems and stuff, too, didn't she? She did. Um, I'm not going to super deep dive into what her post said. Like, there's a few that are relevant, but... It's kind of not, it's kind of like fluff okay. the story. If you want to read them and see what she was posting, you can, like I said, go view her blog. Um, so she, I'm sorry, <laughs> on January 27th, she boarded an Amtrak train. And this was after spending her first five days in San Diego. She'd had a great trip so far and it was headed towards L.A. Um, the, she, oh my gosh, I'm stutter central. I'm so sorry again. I told you I'm going to say sorry 84 times. Um, (laughs) so she gets to LA and she heads straight for the hotel and checks in to none other than the stay on Maine, which as we know was previously the Cecil Hotel, the Cecil so she checks in and just for those who do not know the cecil hotel worked very differently from most average hotels this was kind of a lower rated hotel it was you know a discounted hotel that when you stayed most of the rooms you had a roommate that wasn't somebody you chose it was other people that were traveling you had a shared space almost like a dorm room and every floor had a shared bathroom. You didn't have a bathroom attached to your room. Um, there were a few private rooms that you could have your own bed in your own bathroom. They were more expensive and there were not as many of them. So this was kind of... Like for people who are like... Who need a, a cheaper place to stay on their travels. Exactly. You know, like... Somebody who is probably not doing much more than just going to their room going to bed at night, getting some rest, getting ready in the morning, and then going out again. Somebody who's not spending a lot of time in their hotel room. Right. Um, so 
she checked in and was assigned to a room with a few other girls. And um, after the first day or so, the roommates complained to the front desk that she was behaving very strangely. Um, they just said that her, like, she was just odd and they didn't feel comfortable with her in the room. And the hotel opted to take Elisa and actually move her to a private room. Okay. So she was on the same floor, but she was still, she was now in a private room. In her own space. So her stay in LA didn't start off too, too strong, but she was given a private room and just kept doing her thing. Um, so it's a few days and on January 31st of 2013, Elisa Lamb is seen and heard from for the last time. Okay. Um, she was reportedly seen by multiple hotel staff that day going in and out of the hotel. Um, she was also seen by a local bookstore manager from a place called The Last Bookstore. Mm -hmm. Um, and they actually discovered she had gone here when they reviewed the hotel footage. They found (laughs) it was, they made it seem so eerie in the documentary. And (laughs) they like had this video footage of her in the lobby of the hotel getting a box delivered to her. Like a cardboard box by these two guys. They like just came and gave her a box and left. And she took it back up to her room. And they made it sound so strange. And she basically just had a bunch of books delivered to her because she bought a bunch of books and they were too heavy for her to carry back to her room herself. So she was walking, right? Yeah. So when they saw this video, they managed to track it back to the bookstore and they confirmed that she was there that day. Um, but it's but, they, but it was nefarious. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I will say, well, the documentary, The Vanishing at the CISO Hotel, was the, it was very good. Mm-hmm. It was a little played up, and I think it could have been, like... I two think episodes. It, I think it could have been two, just, like, episodes. a two-hour documentary. Yeah. But they I, they kind of picked at certain aspects, yeah. which I will get into as I get a little bit further into yeah, this. Cause I there's, agree with that. But there's just, like... I, they talked a lot about, like, the history of the hotel, and they, like, picked at, like, Jack Untveger. They talked about Richard Ramirez, and it was just, like... Without that stuff, you could have taken at least one entire episode away. Right. It right. was just, it was good, but it was a little much. Right. And I, I had I had watched it already, and I had to rewatch it to do this because I couldn't remember everything, and I found myself fast forwarding through a lot of parts because I was like, "This is not relevant." This to is my not case. relevant to what I'm yeah. speaking about. And it's not entirely about Elisa Lamb, the documentary. It's yeah. good, but not entirely about her. Yeah. Um. So. She, the next day comes around February 1st and she fails to check in with her parents and immediately her parents knew something was wrong they were like this is not this is not what we agreed on something is wrong right so they immediately called LAPD and wanted them to try and find her and check on her oh like do a welfare check or something uh-huh and they um they actually boarded a flight to California they were like we're gonna go find our daughter like we're coming oh my um gosh. so the LAPD started with what they knew, and they head to the Cecil Hotel, and they wanted to search her room. Well, turns out, February 1st was supposed to be the day that Elisa was going to check out of the hotel. Oh. She had not checked out. But, I mean, you know hotels, and sometimes you can just leave your key card in the room, go, and you don't actually physically have to go to the desk to check out. Right, I do that all the time. So, when they went to clean up her room, all of her stuff was still there. 
they took all of her belongings and like bagged them up and like shoved them in a room. So they still cleaned her room Uh, because they thought she just left things behind, despite the fact that it was like all of her shit, literally all of her belongings. So police get there to search her room. They bring her to they bring them to her room and it's fucking empty. And so they finally are like, oh, well, we have to hold it for 30 days in case somebody comes to claim it. So they give them all the stuff and it's everything. It's her phone. It's her wallet and her ID. It's all of her medical prescriptions. It's her glasses. It's all of her clothing. Closing. Closing. It's all of her clothing. (laughs) Literally everything she had with her. Her laptop. All of it was there. Oh, she just left a few things in the room. Like, at that point, I would be, I'd be calling them, being like, hey, did you forget you're supposed to check out today? Like, your phone and your laptop and your wallet and ID are still in the room. Right. Um, so, they quickly determined, like, something's, something's wrong. wrong. She's clearly missing. So, they filed a missing persons report, and <laughs> they actually said that immediately 18 detectives were assigned to her case. Well... She's Canadian. She's technically a tourist. Yeah, she's a tourist. Like she's they're gonna, they're gonna like be like there is a, there is somebody in our country who is visiting our country that is missing. Yep. Like that's not good. So police, the first thing they did is they went, um, they went to the hotel and they were like, we need to talk to all of your employees. They interviewed over fifty employees, every single person that worked there. Oh my gosh! Um, and they wanted to just try and get as much info as possible because at this point, all they know is that all of her stuff's there, and they they haven't seen any security footage yet. They don't right. know where she was last seen. So one of the employees mentions that on the night of the thirty first, they found Elisa wandering through an employee only area. And they, like, they just had to ask her to leave. They were like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. This is employees. And she kind of just, like, didn't say anything and, like, turned and left and, like, walked in the, the direction of the elevators. Oh, okay. Um, They just thought it was odd, but they were like, you know, maybe she just got lost, whatever. They, they yeah, just kind of brushed it off. There, there's a million explanations why or why somebody could be in that area. Mm-hmm. So, um, just a little, <laughs> they were like... Oh my gosh, words. Um, they kind of became increasingly worried because it seemed like she was just like wandering around this hotel, and this hotel is not known to be a safe place. Yeah. In the documentary, they talked about the fact that the police are called to the Cecil Hotel one to three times every, every day. day. When they first said every it, day. I had to rewind it because I was like, wait a second. They say day? I thought they said week the first time. Nope. Day. Every single day. And they have they have had reports of everything you could possibly imagine at this place. Arson, domestic violence, intoxicated people, assault, stabbing, shootings, suicides, overdoses. The list literally goes on and on. Oh my god. Like they've had people jump out their windows. They've had people like it's just it's awful. This place is not the greatest. So they start searching the entire hotel. They're going room by room, floor by floor. Um, They've got scent tracking dogs. So far, it's not going very well. Um, They get to the fifth floor and they actually pick up her scent. And the scent simply just goes from the elevator to the window at the end of the hallway 
And that's all they want. Okay. So they continue searching. And by nightfall, they reach the roof. They search the roof. Nothing. They've got nothing. Um, so for the next few days, they start hanging flyers. They just try to start getting the word out there, asking people for help if you've seen her and the like. Um, come February 6th, the LAPD held a press conference with Elisa's parents. Um, while her parents did not speak, they were there. Um, and it's kind of really heartbreaking because you can just see that they They're look so upset. so upset and so grief stricken. And you just see the worry in their eyes and the sadness in the sister's eyes. And it was just like, it was, they didn't have to say anything. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah, it's so sad. Um, so they basically do this really brief press cons- conference where they they give her basic description. Um, they you know give a, a tip line and they said that they thought the disappearance was suspicious and they did suspect foul play. Um, this is all there is for about a week. Okay. Um, until February thirteenth. When police opted to release video footage. (laughs) After reviewing hours upon hours upon hours of video footage throughout the hotel to try and see if they could spot Elisa coming and going and doing like getting an idea of what was going on. Trying to figure out if she was last seen in or outside the hotel. This is when they find the famous video. Yeah. Everybody's seen this video, whether you know you've seen it or not, because it is just one of those things. And this video is weird. It's it's weird. It's weird. And it made the case extremely difficult. They thought they were being helpful by asking for the public's assistance. It bit them in the butt. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to briefly describe what happens in this video so you get an idea um mm-hmm. uh this video is literally everywhere yeah you can find I it on youtube put it in the show notes just so you can find it easily but literally you can go on youtube and just type elisa lamb and it will be like the first thing that pops up yeah so this footage is from february 1st and it features elisa lamb in one of the elevators of the hotel and now, this is the day that she doesn't check in with her parents is the first, right? Yes. Okay. This is the day she's supposed to check out of the hotel. So she's supposed to check out and then check in with her parents and has not done either. What so do, well, they don't, they didn't, they don't include the timestamps, do they? Um, no. Fuckers they, don't. They, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Okay. Um, Sorry. Because <laughs> no, I was about to be like, what time of day was it till? Like, and then I remembered. Um, so in this footage. You can see Elisa Lamb. She is wearing a red zip-up hoodie, black shorts, and what appear to be like flip-flops or some kind of sandal. Um, so the elevator doors open, and this is uh, from a camera inside the elevator in the corner. There were no cameras on this floor she was on. Yeah, they only have them on certain floors. Yeah, this this they did not have a lot of money for their security system. Only certain floors had cameras. Even the floor she was staying on did not have cameras on it. Oh, my gosh. So they couldn't even check the hallways outside her room. Um, But you see the elevator doors open. 
and Elisa walks on. And she, like, spins around and she bends over in front of all the buttons on the wall. And she just, like, starts pressing them. Like, in a row, straight down. All of them. Like, almost all of them. And she then, she, like, stands back up and just kind of, like, steps into the back corner of the elevator and stands there. And nothing happens. So she, like, waits a moment. And then steps forward and steps like right to the right to the line of where the elevator is and stands there for a second before she like pokes her head really fast out of the elevator and like whips her head left and right. And and like remember this guy's is all within a four minute video. Okay. Right. So she then steps back into the elevator and like she she's moving very oddly. She like takes a step back then steps like deliberately to the right and then like turns and steps into the corner so her back is in the corner and the buttons are on like the right side of her she's like pressed into the corner where the buttons are and she looks like she's hiding from somebody scared she She literally looks like she's scared and hiding from somebody um so she stands there for a second and then she like warily moves to the entrance again and pokes her head back out and then she she steps out like into the hallway into the hallway i'm sorry i just lost my place while i was reading yeah okay so she (laughs) so she moves but (laughs) I'm so sorry again. So <laughs> she <laughs> like, like you're sorry. She like comes out of the corner and like moves towards the door and then like jumps into the hallway. Mm-hmm. And she like looks around and then she kind of like steps lazily to the left and then like steps backwards onto the elevator. And then just as quickly as she backed up into the elevator, she goes back out into the hallway and like steps off to the left side. Yeah, and you can't see her. And all you see for, like, a minute is you can see, like, her foot and her right arm. And this is when it gets, like, just bizarre. Yeah. You can, like, see her gesturing with her arms. So it's, like, it looks. It literally looks like she's talking to somebody. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um. But it, it does. It looks like she's talking to somebody. So. Oh, my gosh. I'm having trouble following this. I really didn't do this very well. Um, so she then walks back into the elevator. Bends over in front of the buttons again. And presses more buttons. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, so. The whole time, the doors have not closed. The elevator has not left. Mm-hmm. Um, so after she presses more buttons, she doesn't stay in the elevator and she goes back out into the left again. This time she disappears, but then she comes back. And when she comes back, she's standing like right in front of the open elevator door, looking right down the hallway. 
and again it looks like she's talking to somebody you can't see if her mouth is moving but she's like gesturing weirdly she's got her arms like kind of out in front of her and her fingers are splayed and she's like making these weird like rotating hands patterns movements. with her pa- yeah and she's like kind of like twirling her hands around and it just it does it looks like she's gesturing while she's talking and it's just super super weird and then she just like suddenly stops turns around and walks off in the other direction and she's not seen again like leaves the elevator she like yeah totally leaves and walks out and you don't see her on the footage again now what makes this even weirder is that this is only the first two and a half minutes of this video. There is another minute and a half of this video, during which time all you see is the door close and then open and then close again. Weird. And there is a noticeable cut where after she walks away, it like jumps and the door is like already probably about three or four inches closed and closing. So I remember that. I'm gonna talk about this. <laughs> now people went nuts about the footage. This yeah. video, before they even found her, had over 11 million views. Mm-hmm. This blew up, and not in a good way for the police. Um, excuse me. So people started dropping conspiracy theories left and right what the one of the very first things that people noticed was the timestamp and the fact that you could not read the timestamp yeah, it was fucked up. super fucked up and granted i mean the camera quality is not the greatest but normally it is very easy to read and it's almost like it's purposely blurred out you can see the numbers changing in like the seconds you can see it going but you can't really tell you can't make out what it says there are some internet sleuths that have managed to break it down and kind of be able to determine what number is what little blur i people are freaking nuts um so, but, and that is when people started to notice that there was gaps in the footage they were like, okay, well, I figured out that, like, that is this number, and it's, like, clearly, like, it's counting, and then it jumps. And it would jump, like, 10 seconds. Or, like, 20 seconds. And people, like, didn't understand this. And huh. I'm going to suppress my thoughts on this for until the end. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, they... One of the investigators in the documentary who was part of this case okay, talked about this mm-hmm. and said, you know, there's all these theories about the missing footage. Everybody's like, oh, where's the missing footage? Where's the missing footage? There's a lot of possibilities as to why they cut it. They could have cut it because maybe she walked away again. She could have walked away for 10 minutes for all we know. They weren't going to release a four hour long video of her playing in an elevator. So they could have clipped time out of it. They could have clipped time because maybe something did happen. It showed either someone or something happened that they wanted to keep close to the chest because that is the police job. They need to hold on to certain evidence so that when they do find a suspect, they have something to put against them. They have something to use. And if that person mentions that, they can be like, that's not public knowledge. How do you know that? Exactly. That is a tactic widely used. Widely. Um, so that's kind of a 
take it as you will thing. Okay. Um, another thing that people like to talk about is why did the door never close? Well, here's another fun fact. It also seemed like the video was partially slowed down. So we are watching this at a slower pace, which means it's extra drawn out. She goes in and out of the elevator numerous times, which disrupts the sensor and automatically resets it. So what seems like 30 seconds to us could be minutes, could be literally minutes. Um, when she first gets into the elevator and presses all those buttons, as we all know, there are buttons on an elevator that door open, door close. Right. Yeah. They have a door hold button. In this elevator specifically? Yes. Ah. And one magnificent YouTube sleuth went to the Cecil, pressed that button. They timed it. That holds the door open for two minutes. Mm, Yeah, and if she hit it a couple times? So if she hit that, it is entirely possible that that door stayed open that long. Yeah. And also, if there's missing clips, it's also possible that when she walked away, the door did close and they just cut it out. Right. There's a lot of possibilities here. I think people might have, like, snatched on to certain details and they were like, that's weird, before they thought about the logic right, right. side of it. Right. Um, so, like I said, this doesn't end up helping the police at all. All they've gotten is all these stupid conspiracy theories. And they're like, this doesn't tell us where Elisa is. You're just theorizing this is about not a- helpful. You're theorizing about an elevator. Okay. Um, we need to find this girl. She's missing. <laughs> like, um, and w- one thing that I did want to know is that there was a lot of YouTubers that went into this place and they show a lot of these videos in the documentary and of people like sleuthed in there. Yeah. And they're super wary about it now. They have, if you guys choose to go here, they have security guards that patrol the hallways because they're trying to keep people from, like, hanging out and filming in the hallways, taking lots of pictures because that's where people are staying. Be nice. If you're going to go sleuthing, just don't be an asshole. Okay? Right. Um, but one thing that people did manage to determine was that the video was most likely taken on the 14th floor. Right, because the way it looked. Well, between the way it looked and when you watch her press the buttons. So if you've ever been in an elevator and you press a button, it lights up. When you press the button for the floor you're on, it'll light up and then go off. Because you're already on that floor, you can't select it. Right. That's what happens when she clicks the 14th button. Oh. And a fun fact, that is the top floor before the roof. So the video comes out, all this crap happens. They, again, get nowhere. Right. It is almost another week, again, before anything substantial happens in this case. It is on February 19th, which is 19 days since her disappearance. Right. A maintenance worker, Santiago Lopez, was tasked with determining why the guests were complaining about the hotel's water supply. The front desk had received many, many reports of low water pressure, discolored water in the sinks, um, and some people even said, like, the water had a really bad taste. They were <coughs> drinking it. They were brushing their teeth. Um, so after, after so many reports, they were like, okay, enough's enough. We need to figure out what's going on. And they sent their maintenance worker to check it out. 
This is icky. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> um, so Santiago made his way to the roof to check the four water tanks, which supplied the hotel's water. <sighs> when he gets up there, he climbs the ladder up to one of the tanks and looks inside. This is when he discovers the naked body of Elisa Lamb floating several inches below the water surface in the water tank. The police were quickly called and they very quickly determined that this was Elisa. They knew immediately. They were like, this is the girl we've been looking for. They um, actually had to drain the tank and then cut a hole in the side of the water tank to remove her body. They could just put like a like a Probably Once the not. water was drowned, drowned? It was probably a little too difficult. Okay. She was well, they would have had to live dead weight. Well, I was going to say, she was tiny. And she, she was long. <laughs> she was long. She could have fit through the opening in the top. But, you know. They would have had to carry her. I was going to say, a fireman with all his gear on and stuff trying to get her out of there. Yeah. It would have been very difficult. Yikes. So they, they did. They cut a hole in the side of it and they removed her body. Okay. Um. So now remember, police had searched the roof with uh, with yeah. So why didn't they look in the scent, thing? Scent sniffing dogs. I was like scent sniffing. Um, Big bad red blend. <laughs> seriously, um, scent sniffing dogs, and they didn't find anything. My thing that I like to point out is that they did this search at night. They didn't thoroughly search. They said they did not search the water tanks. Which, why? Why did you not do that? I mean... Why? Like, just do your due diligence. I don't know. It's... They're kind of... There's, they're all together. They're right in a corner. And to be honest, they're like, up on a raised platform. And they, they probably didn't really think much of it. Yeah, but still. But... They are police They officers. should have probably checked a little bit better but they didn't so um on february 21st they finally release her uh, sorry her autopsy results right and her death was ruled an accidental drowning this blew up blew up the internet People <laughs> were like, that's just not right. How? Like, that's, it's just too weird. Like, possible. the video, the circumstances, this is just not right. But this is what they had found. She had absolutely no physical evidence of trauma at all. Literally, like, not even a slight bruise on her hip. Like, she had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um... There were absolutely no signs of drugs or alcohol within her system. Um, they said they found evidence that she had taken her antidepressants the day of her death, but not her mood stabilizer or her antipsychotic. It had been several days because there was barely any trace of them in her system. Yowza. That's important. So they searched the roof again, but there was... 
no DNA. There's nothing. no more evidence. There was nothing up there. They found no signs of sexual assault, even though she was found naked. Her clothes were found at the bottom of the tank, and it was the same clothes that she was wearing that day in the video. Yeah, they did not search well at all. No. So. It's like they walked up there and they were like, oh, nothing's here. And they left. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have so many thoughts. I have so much to say. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, like, just get through the facts so I can be like. Um, all right, all right. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. So they. Uh, like I said, they determined it was the same clothes that matched the video. So she most likely died either that day or early the next day, sometime probably morning. Um, they had a really hard time actually determining which day she died because she was at such a l- high level of decomposition. She'd been in water for almost 20 days. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, my God. Those poor people. And unfortunately, because the tanks are outside and they're, it's not like they're insulated, this water oh God. could have been any temperature fluctuating between the hot. S- I mean, it's January, but this is also L.A., so it could be the warm, the warm days and the cold nights. And so <sighs> the the difference in temperature fluctuating up and down for all those days seriously threw off the timeline, and they could not determine her time of death. Oh my God, that's not. <laughs> I, I like. I feel. Oh God, I feel awful for those people. Those. Um, they're drinking it. Oh God! Oh God! Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, you're good. Um, Here's things to say about that. There is also, if you watch the documentary, there is like there's an old news clip that they show of they like tried they like would not let reporters into the hotel, but a guy actually recorded video of like the dirty water coming out of his faucet on his cell phone, and they like <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, my God. So the examiner also had trouble finding any um, identifying factors that positively pointed to the fact that she drowned. So, like, normally, like, there's, like, buildup of foam in, like, your esophagus and, like, fluid. And, like, they just, like, could not positively narrow down her death. Like, they, they had nothing. They couldn't tell how she died. They couldn't tell when she died. They, like, basically... She was just dead. Weird. They, so weird. It so was weird. so weird. So, um, in the documentary, they actually do talk about the fact that you you can see this report. You can s- this is public. Um, the original report was marked undetermined. Three days later, there's an X through undetermined and like a date, and it's been changed to accidental death. Okay. People, again, hyper-focused on this and thought this was really bizarre. I mean, it is a little, but, I mean, who knows? We don't know what goes on at a police station in a morgue and shit. Well, exactly. You don't know. They It could have been done by an assistant, and then the medical examiner came in a couple days later and did his own evaluation. It could have been... It could have been one doctor's opinion and then, uh, like, you know, checked by three other doctors. And they were like, well, it seems more like this. And they all came to a unanimous decision to change a accident. Like, you don't know. Right, right, right. You don't know their logic. They have not said. Yeah, and they're not going to be like, okay, the internet's loose. Let me tell you every single thing that we did ever. 
in this case. Like, they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And now, <laughs> the piece of evidence that fucks with everybody. Oh, God. For the longest time, it was knowledge that when they found Elisa Lamb's body in the tank, the lid had been closed when he first climbed the ladder. That is the statement police made on the news was that they were told the lid to the tank was closed when the maintenance guy climbed the ladder to look inside. We have been told this this, this is incorrect. What? I forgot about this. In the documentary, they wait till the last minute because this is like oh, yeah. this is like a theory crusher. You're like thinking like this is what happened the whole time and then finally they're like this and you're like what? Because let me tell you, they describe this thing. And so when you get on the water tank, you climb up the water tank and this lid specifically they said was unhinged. So it didn't it wasn't on a hinge. It didn't like swing open and close. You had to like lift it. It, it was on a square lip. And it was just like a heavy like box top basically that like huh. it weighed almost 20 pounds and it just sat on the slip okay and it was fucking heavy and it didn't move so to, you had to like lift it up and slide it to get into the tank so everybody was like how did she get up there and get in the tank and then it's closed that's not possible like that proves right there that she didn't like that sh- that she was killed like somebody did this to her it's not true okay according to the maintenance guy who is interviewed in the in the 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 next documentary he says when i went up that ladder the lid was open and he said i don't know where the disconnect was but that lid was 100 percent open and they ask him like three times they're like you're saying that lid was open when you found her and he's like yes and I told police this. And it was reported incorrectly to the public. That's crazy. That like changes everything. That literally changes the whole story. The whole story. Oh my god. So I'm going to tell you about some of the theories. Okay. That when you are reading about this case, you will come across. Okay. There's three that have a little bit of weight to them. And then there's a bunch that have none. None. Um, <laughs> Zilch. Nada. <laughs> so the first one is that somebody killed Lisa, brought her up to the roof, and dumped her body in the tank. That or somebody held her at gunpoint, brought her up to the roof, put her in the tank. Right. So they think that during the elevator, the elevator footage. Those are some of the clips that are taken out. You can see another person. That's one of their theories. Okay. That all those clips are because there is a person and they don't want you to know what they look like. Um, but don't. That, that would. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. We'll no, talk you. about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, some say that um, there is a, there's like a point where they mention that in the footage you can like see somebody's foot. And I'm like. I'm pretty sure that's Elisa's foot. Like, it looks like the end of her flip-flop. Like, oh, kind of yeah, on yeah, the yeah, screen. And it was very weird, and I tried to see it myself, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's her foot. Like, I don't... 
No, I it was remember that. And I was like, how is that not her foot? It, it doesn't hold a lot of water. And I was like, I don't. Okay. I'm going to mention it. But um, some internet sleuths did manage to find that a couple of the blog posts she'd made were prior to her trip. And she was like, oh, I'm traveling to California. Like, you know, taking, she like said, like taking applications f- to like meet up and make friends. Like, so she was looking to meet new people. So maybe she did. Maybe she met yeah. somebody and they were not as nice not as good. she thought. Um, so, I mean, as I mentioned, the lid to the tank weighed 20 pounds. Which would have been difficult for a very slender, very small slender, woman to lift. small girl. And then get inside. Yeah. So and then <laughs> close it back on herself. Supposedly close it back on herself. <laughs> But honestly, my thought was, even if it was closed when they found her, it is entirely possible that she just lifted it and was holding it. And she could have, like, bent over. I'm leaning away from my mic. She could have, like, bent over to look inside, bent too far, lost her footing on the ladder, slipped in, and it slammed shut behind her. Like, there's theories whether it's open or closed. If right. It, I mean, also, and then also, if it is open, that makes even more sense. Maybe she fell in. Um. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't want to like get it too much into another theory. Too <laughs> um. <laughs> so, in the theory of somebody else did this to her, um. One thing that was mentioned was that the tank she was in is. There's four tanks, okay? Uh-huh. They're pressed up against a wall. Yeah, yeah. She was in the tank that was, like, the back right against the wall. Oh, It was yeah. hard to access. It would have been hard to get in there. There was a lot of pipes. It was a very tight space. It's somewhere that if somebody had carried a dead body through and then climbed a ladder up, there's no way that Elisa Lamb's body would have shown no trauma. She would have been, her arms would have hit walls, her head would have bumped on something. Like, she would have had at least some kind of physical trauma on her, and she did not. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, again, it is possible that somebody maybe held her at gunpoint, but why would somebody hold her at gunpoint and send her up a ladder to jump into a water tank? Right. That's just such a very odd MO. Except, that leads to another part of this theory. Okay. There is a movie. This movie is called Dark Water. Oh, yeah. I remember that movie. And in this movie, there is a very little girl. She's like little as in young, not yeah. small. Um, she, I, I think she's like 10 or 12 or something. She's small. Yeah. She's wearing a red coat. She goes up to the roof of the hotel climbs up the ladder of a water tank, falls in, and drowns. That is part of the premise of this movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I forgot about that. There are similar there's similar imagery with the discolored water coming out of faucets. Ugh. There's dilapidated elevators that don't work right. And it was just to the point of like and this came out before her death. Oh before her death. So it's people think that Maybe somebody was trying to reenact this. Okay. But that's a loose, that's a loose piece of evidence for that theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then even if there was somebody else up there that tried to either carry her or point her up the ladder, you think you would have they would have found something some up other there. kind of evidence. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't. Um and then people also talked about the fact that she was found naked. They were like, why didn't she have her clothes on? Her clothes were at the bottom of the tank. They would have just like dropped them in there after her. But there was no signs of sexual assault. And hypothermia is a thing. Who knows how yes, long she was in that tank. And if she fell in at night, say, when it was cold, she could have started suffering from hypothermia. And when you start to suffer from hypothermia, you start taking you actually start to feel hot. Yeah. You get like this burning sensation and you but begin. But were her clothes like neatly folded at the bottom or they like thrown there? No, they were like, they were inside the tank with her. They were in the water. Her clothes were? Yeah. She like oh, hit I didn't like understand that. Oh <laughs> no, they were in the tank with her. Okay, but she was so, naked. But she physically. was naked. So yeah, then definitely she could have gotten hypothermia. Exactly. And taking, I was like, and what? Like started to take her clothes off as she got hotter. Right. Hotter. Yeah. Quote, quote hotter. Quote. As she felt hotter, but she was starting to freeze as more. You're freezing. <laughs> so this, I think, is a. It's a loose theory. I, there is some evidence that you're like, okay, I can see that. I can see that. And then there's a lot of evidence that you're like, uh, yeah, that's kind of questionable. But that is one of the number one theories. Okay. The second theory, which I think is crap altogether, is that she was on drugs or intoxicated or both. But they didn't find anything in her system. Exactly. People were like, oh, well, she was, this hotel is on the edge of Skid Row, which is a terrible area. It's rampant with drugs. Maybe she got something from the street. On her Tumblr, she had made a post in which she had said she was never the partying type. She'd never drank. She'd never tried party drugs. And all she had simply said was, maybe now is the time to, like, experiment. Yeah, like, okay. But but that's not, like, I'm, I'm going to go get I so was gonna high say, out of my mind. I'm not going to go find somebody, like, I'm not going to go find, like, a with? homeless person and get their their drugs and do them. Like, that's that's a little far-fetched. That's a little far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, like we said, her dock screen was clean. They found no drugs. They found no alcohol. The well, only thing in her was her antidepressant <laughs> yeah so that's not <laughs> that just doesn't doesn't tread water no um i'm sticking with the water things here i don't oh. i was like it doesn't hold water it doesn't tread water yeah i'm doing great here <laughs> you're great <laughs> um so the third and what i believe is oh, sorry guys i just smacked my mic i'm sorry how dare you the third and most believable theory in my opinion is that elisa had a psychotic break yeah that's the i mean guys i know a little nicole knows like everything there is to know about this case (laughs) but i like i know basically what the documentary told me yeah i don't i didn't know very i did i had seen the video before but i i haven't i never deep dived into this case and so it was like one of those cases i did the same thing I saw the elevator footage and was like, what? And then like fell in and then was slightly disappointed. 
Yeah. Like, not that her death is disappointing, but, like, people make it out to be this crazy case, and it's wild, and there's, look at this footage, and it's like, but that's not the truth, and I don't like that. Yeah. That's yeah. why I really wanted to do this episode, because I was like... We need to tell the truth. We need to talk about the truth of this case, because yeah. a lot of people do not talk about the truth of this case. Yeah, I agree. Um, as we mentioned, Elisa was bipolar. She took mood stabilizers... She took psych- uh, antipsychotics, and as the talk screen showed, it had been taken them. several days since she had ingested them. And when that happens, she's prone to having psychotic episodes in which she can disassociate. Especially if she's on her own in a new city where she doesn't know anyone, exactly. and everything is foreign to her. And the only people around her simply look at her and go, well, she's just behaving weirdly, but we're in a weird part of town, so just like ignore her basically yeah it's weird um so i mean and like i said when she had these episodes she would often do things that she didn't realize she was doing and one of the biggest factors of this was how she got to the roof which i have not mentioned yet yeah yeah there are four access points to the roof One is an alarmed stairwell that if you push open the door, it sets off an alarm in the hotel and alerts the front desk. You have to have a key to go through that door. Right. The other three options are fire escapes. Yeah, have no cameras on them. They have no cameras on them. No alarms. They are accessible from windows at the end of the hallways through windows that are not locked nor alarmed. Yikes. And while, yes, that may seem scary. Okay, I'm 14 floors in the air and I have to climb this 20-foot ladder to the roof from the top floor of the fire escape. To somebody who's in a psychotic episode, she's not realizing this. She doesn't think She just sees that. a ladder and climbs it. Yeah. So, and... They talked a lot about the fact that the dogs had a lot of trouble tracking her outside of that one scent that they picked up of her on the fifth floor. I mean, anything can get rid of a scent. Wind, if it water. Hit, I was going to say, it was outside. So the tiniest bit of rain could have washed it away. Inside, if they had cleaned the floors. There's people constantly tracking in and out. It's a hotel. Right, right. Um, And, you know, sometimes... Sniffer dogs aren't perfect either. It could have gotten a bad scent. It could have not gotten enough of a scent. It could have picked up on, you know, maybe she went to the bookstore and somebody put their hand on her shoulder and it picked up that scent instead of hers. Right, right. It it could be anything. Yeah. So, the, I just wrote that again. I talked about that already. (laughs) I was like, this sentence. And I was like, that I already talked about. Cool. Um, and this would explain a lot. It would explain her weird behavior in the elevator. It would explain her, you know, the odd behavior that the roommates reported getting yep. kicked out of the room. Yep. It would. It would explain a lot. It would explain a hell of a lot. A lot. Um, and one thing that I also noted from some of our YouTube sleuths that they were meant that mentioned the doc in the documentary, excuse me, was a group of them went there. And first of all. The security guard left them onto the roof. 
they were like, we want to go up there and like film a video. And they literally let them onto the roof and they have like their handheld cameras and they're like videoing the roof. That's scary. And now during this video, when you see the state of the roof, she's not the only person that's ever gone up there. Yeah, yeah. There's like empty pizza boxes. There's cigarette butts everywhere. There was dirty handprints on the outsides of the water tanks. There was graffiti. People went out there and just hung out. Yeah. This was not something that was unusual. It's not like her getting to this roof was a miracle. This clearly seemed like something that many, many people did. And was easily accessible. And was very easily accessible. Despite the fact that they tried to make it seem like it wasn't. Yikes. Um, so, those are my three. Those are three major theories. Okay. There's a few others. So I'm going to go through really quick here. Because... These are ridiculous. Okay. Um, one of them that the documentary mentions, which I think they spent way too much time on. I understood some of why they spent time on it, but then the rest of it, I was like, okay, are we done with this yet? So there's a musician. Mm, yeah, I remember that. And he is like a death metal musician. He goes by the name of Morbid. Mm-hmm. And... The reason I hate this theory is because it literally doesn't work. And it ruined his life. It literally ruined this man's life because people didn't pay attention to the facts. They got too sucked into the videos in of her in the elevator and the, the stupid details of the case to pay attention to any of the actual facts to realize that this musician who they were like, oh, he wrote this song about her death. It's clearly about her. Listen to the lyrics. And the, and the music video has, like, elements that, like, yeah. look like could be influenced by her death. Yes. And it's like, okay, so maybe he wrote a song influenced by her case. That doesn't mean he's guilty. Right. They were like, oh, well, he was staying there at the same time as her. No, he wasn't. He was not there. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. Leave this man alone. Yeah, he, he wasn't was there. there an entire year prior to Elisa staying there. And nobody gave two shits when he tried to say, I was not there. They completely ignored this man and they destroyed his life. He literally said in the documentary that he has contemplated suicide because of this. And yes. I was like, that is so fucked up. Uh huh. That is like ridiculous. Because people who got too deep into a case just pointed the finger just and pointed, didn't look at the pointed, facts. Exactly. This poor man is just trying to make music, do what he likes, and people decided he was a murderer for it. Yikes. And they had no evidence. Please leave him alone. Yeah. He He has nothing to do with this. Um, So another theory that pops up a little bit is that the LAPD, like, covered up her death. Because the fact that they, like, didn't search the roof properly and they thought it was weird that, like, why wouldn't you search the water tanks? I mean, why wouldn't you search the I water mean, tanks? why wouldn't you search the water tanks? But maybe somebody was lazy and they just fucked up. That's possible. Like. Yeah, completely they, possible. They searched the roof at night. So even if the tank was open, they were not really likely to notice it. Even if it was open and they did notice it, 
that might not be a weird detail that sticks out to them. Yeah, they don't know what's going on over there. Exactly. They, this, they're just there to search with their dogs, and that's that. Like, And the dogs can't climb up ladders. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they could even get a scent up there or anything. Yep. And the only thing that people have pointed out is very odd, which I do agree with is a little bit odd. But I think, again, I think the LAPD might have botched this investigation slightly in her search is that her case is closed. This is this is a public record. This should be public record. They will not give out the file. You can go on the website and be like, I want this file. You have every right to request that file. But you won't get it. And they're supposed to give it to you. Nobody has ever received it. Thousands of people have tried to request this and nobody's received it. That's crazy to me. That is suspicious. That is sus. But does that mean there's an LAPD cover up? No. I think if there's any form of cover up, it's them covering up their own stupidity. Yeah, covering up their own mistakes. I mean, guys, we all listen to true crime. Um, how many times have the LAPD fucked it up? And a lot. But how many times has like law enforcement in general fucked things up? They've just not cared enough, and it that not was done their jobs. Like that's the whole point of being a police officer is to do your due diligence. And sometimes people just don't do that; they get lazy. Yep. And it's I know that that sucks, but it's like the harsh cruel reality of the world exactly that sometimes people are fucking lazy um so outside of that <laughs> there's really nothing else that like points to the lapd um some tried to say that the hotel knew and tried to cover it up maybe they had a couple different directions this theory went in some say that maybe the roof to um, the roof <laughs> the door to the roof was not properly alarmed and so maybe she did just walk right out that door and the alarm never went off because somebody went up there and they forgot to turn it back on or the door wasn't properly latched. Yeah, yeah. And she just managed to walk up there and it's just coincidental that nobody knows. Another thing was that maybe somebody who worked at the hotel was involved mm. because they would have roof access. Yeah, but it seems like a lot of people have roof access. Exactly. So it's like, so that's like the okay. probability of one of those employees being the one that's just going to randomly kill one of the tenants that's staying in that hotel. In this very specific and way. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a little much. Um, so, and the police, the police didn't like this theory. They ruled that theory out. They were like, we talked to literally every employee at that hotel. None of them gave us any reason to be suspicious we had no thoughts that it was any hotel employee okay um one of the theories that they did excuse me that the authorities did discuss was that maybe it was suicide but even though she was depressed occasionally she had made a blog post about you know negative feelings suicidal thoughts she had shown no sign of actually planning to commit suicide she had several gifts amongst her belongings that she had planned to give to her parents when she returned she had plans but yeah there was no sign of there, there was her being suicidal. despite being depressed her medication was working and there was really no sign of suicide like of a desire to commit suicide so they ruled that out 
quite quickly. Um, and <laughs> my two most favorite far-fetched theories here. <laughs> right after Elise's body was found, throughout Skid Row, there was an outbreak of tuberculosis. Uh, what? <laughs> so this was a super random thing that they mentioned in the documentary that I totally forgot about and was like, what? And even the YouTube theorists were like, this one was a little coincidental, but like not didn't didn't like this is not a theory. It's just a coincidence. And it's a really weird coincidence, but it's a coincidence. Um, so the school she attended in British Columbia University, University of British Columbia, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, had a very well-known research center dedicated to tuberculosis. Um, and the hotel received testing. They had to go through and make sure nobody there was sick. Well, the test, it's called the Lamb Elisa. Lamb. L-A-M. Hyphen. Elisa, spelled just like her name. That's weird, but isn't that weird? Yeah. And it's like, okay, but, but when did the tuberculosis shock come out? Like, come on, or test or whatever. Oh well, you want to know what the theory was here? What? That Elisa was a biological weapon. I laughed so hard when they talked about this. They theorized that she was a biological weapon that was sent there to, like, start spreading this disease to try and kill off the people that lived in Skid Row. What? That's really far-fetched. Right? That's I was so like, far-fetched. That sounds like a really terrible sci-fi movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, what? I understand. It is very strange that that is the name of the test. That is a massive coincidence. And yeah, that's just strange. But yeah, that is weird. I'm sorry. She's not. She's a not a biological, biological weapon. weapon. She's a 21 year old tourist just trying to take a break from school. That's <laughs> yeah. That um, no. And of course, the very popular theory that many mention because of the footage of her in the elevator. The elevator game. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. So it. there is a theory that in this footage, when Elisa gets onto the elevator, she is playing a very popular Japanese game called the elevator game, and which is scary shit. Don't do which it. is yeah, don't fuck with this stuff, guys. I mean, if, unless you're, I don't know, do whatever you want. But I mean, do whatever you want, but be, be smart, safe. be safe. Because <laughs> that's like weird. <laughs> So you're supposed to get on an elevator, and I did not write down the rules to this. I'm going to give a very basic description. It's okay. I'm going to kind of talk about it in my next episode, so Perfect. I'll, I'll so, explain it. So basically, like, you're supposed to just get on the elevator. There is a way you're supposed to press, like, there's, like, an order in which you're supposed to press the numbers, and then the doors are supposed to close, and you're, like, supposed to ride the elevator to another floor, let the doors open, and then, like, let them shut, and then press more buttons, and it, like... It's like a whole back and forth. Summon ghosts, and so basically, something. it's supposed to transport you to another dimension. To another dimension. Yes. Shit. Okay. It literally is supposed to like bring you somewhere. Welcome and, like, to and, like, Electric Avenue. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh my god. But um, <laughs> it's supposed to be like kind of scary. It's supposed to be like a realm filled with ghosts. Yeah, like a spooky game. Like it's supposed to be scary, and. And, like, one of the points when the elevator stops and the doors open, they're like, stand to the side because a spirit's supposed to walk on the elevator and you don't want to look her directly in the eyes. And it was, like, something weird like that. And yeah, I was like, yeah. And if you guys are really interested in something hilarious, please watch the freaking Ghost Adventure special because Bilbo Baggins gets on an elevator and is like, I'm going to play the elevator game. And then, like, stands there, stares at the directions and is like, oh, I have no idea how to play this. And, like, doesn't know what he's doing. And it's hysterical um (laughs) anyway so they theorized that maybe she was playing this game and something spiritual happened to her she was either possessed or she like did enter this weird dimension and when she came back she was in the wrong place and ended up in the water tank and it was like i mean sounds like a good movie um, <laughs> we, we generally believe in most spooky things, but <laughs> in the case of Elisa Lamb, I do not think she was playing the elevator. No, game. it didn't. No, because you it, have to press the buttons in a very specific way. It's not like pressing all of them. At the yeah, same time. you you just like press a handful of buttons and like stand there in the corner. Yeah, and there are instructions. There's like this is like a whole like 15 step process that you have to like ride the elevator a million different directions and then do all this weird stuff. And she was clearly not doing that. She right, right. Just, so <laughs> that's the final theory. <laughs> I um, I did want to mention that in late 2015, Elisa's parents did attempt to sue the stay on Maine or the Cecil Hotel. Um, their lawsuit alleged that their negligence led to Elisa's wrongful death. Okay. Um, but again, there was no evidence found of their negligence other than the fact that she was able to get to the roof. That's still supposed to be an area that you kind of know you're not supposed to be in. Yeah. So they don't assume people are out there actively trying to get on the roof, actively scaling their fire escapes, getting to their roof. Yeah. So they were like, the necessary precautions are in place. Uh, This lawsuit just didn't have any traction. It it had no traction and it was quickly dismissed by the judge. Um, While it is sad, and I do think I wish. I don't know. I don't know if people did see her. I mean, some people saw her in that weird employee area and asked her to leave. They had, they saw her odd behavior, but nobody saw it odd, like as odd enough to report. Right. And that's actually something that um, the hotel manager at the time, her name is Amy Price. She talks a lot in the documentary. Um, that someone sh- who talks about you the way Amy Price talks about the Cecil. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> she loves that place. <laughs> but but she said she was like, you know, we did think her be- behavior was odd. But was it cause for, you know, calling 911 and no. trying to get her help? Like, no. People around there did weird things. They didn't know if she was on drugs. They didn't know what she'd been doing. They yeah, uh, I mean, and unless she like goes and like physically attacks somebody or like tries to commit suicide with her roommates in the room or exactly. does something like that, they're, they're probably not going to like or somebody reports something like that. They're probably not going to do anything about you it. You also have to remember the fact that they said the police are at that hotel one to three times a day. They didn't have any qualms about calling the police. This was not something that they found police worthy. They just didn't see it. And. I'm not going to hold them, hold that against them. I, 
it's not a hotel's responsibility to pay attention to the mental health of their guests. Right. Unless it's super dramatic and there's somebody, you know, running around with a gun or like something that's seriously dangerous. Yeah, I get that. You don't knock on everybody's door and make sure they're not suicidal. Like, that's just not how that works. Yeah. And they didn't know, like, you know, they didn't know she was on antipsychotics and stuff unless they went through her shit. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, yes, do I think hotels have or, you know, should have a little responsibility? Yes. To that point no yeah um <laughs> i mean so, yes and it's like a yes and no thing yeah if she had been showing signs that she was clearly suicidal or clearly like deranged and was like threatening to hurt herself and, like, or not, others and like clearly not in the yeah, right mind then like, they had ev- they would have had every right to call the police but it, but if honest, it didn't get that far she was be, just a weird person I mean, like to be honest just from my perspective, if I were to see somebody doing what she was doing on the elevator, I would have assumed she was on drugs. I would have said, "Where based on where we are, we're in a bad part of town. She's by herself. She looks like she's talking to herself. She's yeah, like yeah. making weird gestures. I would have thought she was on some kind of drug. Yeah. I really would have. And I mean no offense by that, but when you are an outsider looking in, you don't know. I, she doesn't have a sign on her forehead that says bipolar. Right. Like, that doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so they th- they quickly threw out this lawsuit. Um, and the judge said, like, this, the events of this are very tragic, but it unfolded in an area where guests are not supposed to be and they do not expect guests to be. Like, they had no obligation to, like, Unless they caught her in the act of security guard up there. Yeah, unless they caught her in the act of actively trying to get onto the roof, they they wouldn't have known. They would have never known. Unless there was a camera there and or a security guard standing there. I think I, I'd have to double check, but I think there's better security systems now. Now the now I'm sure. Um. But. This case is closed. It is marked as closed. They have no intention of reopening it. Even all those YouTube sleuths that talked their way through their crazy conspiracy theories kind of said that once they came out and said, yeah, that that lid, that tank lid was open, not closed, it was open. People kind of went, they took a step back and were like, oh, well, that just, I mean, she could have fallen in. She could have gone up there, maybe wanted to stand on top of it. It could have been nighttime. She could have fallen in on accident. She could have just leaned in to look. She could have just lost her balance. She could have gotten in there completely on her own. She could have been like, she was in a, if she was in a psychotic break, she could have been like, look, a swimming pool. And gotten in. And gotten in. And, and then, then couldn't get out. And then slowly started to maybe come out of the psychotic episode. And panicked. that's when she panicked. And that's, you don't know. You, there's you no have- way to get out once you're in. There's no ladder in there. She's like treading water, treading water, treading water, but she can't get out. Say basically until she couldn't tread water anymore. She might have just even died of like exhaustion. Say she could have died of exhaustion. And that's maybe why they didn't find anything. She could have drowned. That's that's true. Why they didn't find signs of like physical drowning. She could have literally exhausted herself to death. Right. Crazy. So... I just, I think the LAPD might not have done their investigation 100% right. And they don't want to give out their case notes on it. They don't want to admit that they fucked up. 
I don't think they had anything to do with it. I I don't think the hotel staff is involved. I think this is just one big bizarre accident. And Personally, I think that it was just a psychotic break. I do too. She didn't know what was going on, got herself up there, either fell in, got in on her own, something. And yep, that was that. And I that's like the documentary was definitely interesting and it was eye-opening, but it could have been much shorter. Yeah. They like they definitely went in a lot about other things to like fluff it up. Yeah. They like looked at it as the they like I, I can kind of see what they did. They, like, followed the actual timeline. So they were like, this is what blew it up. And so they, like, they went through it, like, as it was happening almost. Uh-uh. And they brought in all the theories as things were released. And, you know, they made it seem like, oh, maybe this did happen. And then, but they found this piece of evidence that disproves that. Like, it yeah, was, like, yeah. walking you through the timeline and the theories until the evidence was corrected. And it was, like... It made sense, but it was too much. Personally, I read a f- and I did read a few reviews of it that said similar things. Um, there was a review from Rolling Stone that kind of tore it apart a little bit oh, because shit. they were like, it doesn't really do her justice. It's it's supposed to be about Elisa Lam, and you spend half of it talking about the hotel itself. Other deaths that happened there. Other serial killers other and shit that have been well, that have done things there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they they spend a lot of time talking about all this other stuff, all of these other bizarre theories that they later go on to say aren't true. Right. And it's like, why not just talk about the facts and why the other things aren't true? Like mention it, yeah. but not deep dive into it. And right, it, right, right, right. Touch I on mean, it, maybe just like you know. But describe it a little bit, but like you don't have to go that far into it, especially if it doesn't really pertain in the end. To exactly. What, I didn't on. need a 15 minute background of Richard Ramirez. <laughs> I didn't need the 15 minute background of Jack Unterweger. I could have gone and looked that up myself. That's a half hour out of the episode right there. Was it 15 minutes about Jack Unterweger? I feel like they just might have been a little bit shorter, but um, briefly, it was it was probably about five to ten minutes. Because I, I didn't go back and watch that at all for I, my research, man. I fast. <laughs> it's really, it's really a brief touch on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like an overview, just so you kind of understand who they were. But right. it was just enough that it was like this wasn't necessary. Yeah. I didn't need to know who Jack Unterweger. You could have told me like, oh yeah, he's the the Vienna Strangler or whatever the heck I called him. I've been him. like, okay, cool. And I've been like, cool. I'm gonna go Google him in my free time, like next. Uh, <laughs> but. I did. I, I was one of those people that fell into the case. I was like, that's weird. And then you learn the facts and you're like, but it's not weird. It's only weird because people made it weird. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Literally. That makes sense. If you think about it, this case would have been nothing but a bizarre accidental death if they'd never released that elevator footage. Because that that's what blew it up. they actually, like, thoroughly checked the room. Mm-hmm. They would have just gone from like, oh, it's tragic death. The missing girl was found dead in the water tank. They think she had a psychotic episode. Case closed. Move on. But now we're at the point where me and you are talking about this on a podcast. Because it was weird. Because it was, it's weird. Because they made it weird. Yeah. I don't think this case is weird at all. I think the public made it weird. 
and want it to be weird. We want the mystery. We ignored the fact for the mystery, for the excitement, and then it all comes crumbling down when they're, they, like, tell you the real facts. Right, yeah. And I wish people would just remember that Elisa Lamb is a person and not just some bizarre case. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, the girl with the strange elevator footage. Like, Yeah, that's sad that like, that's what people remember about her. Like, that that's how I knew her case for a long time. And it, it does. It makes me really, really sad. Was yeah. that that was, like, how she's known. Yeah. Yeah, like nobody knows the truth. They they go in, they do exactly what I did. They go into that case thinking like, what is this? It's weird. Yeah, it's so weird. And then you, it's not. It's I just remember not. being like, this is weird. Somebody <laughs> fucked up. This is a cover up. Blah blah blah. blah. Yep. Watching the documentary and at the end it was like a smack in the face. Uh huh. I did the same thing. It was a smack in the face. I remember being so upset. I was like, what the fuck? I watched. I watched it with Ryan, and he'd never heard of the case before. And even he was like, wait, what? They talked the whole time about, like, she got trapped in there, and then the lid was open? Like, Mama V, tell us what you think, because Mama V so was telling me the other day that she thought that this was <laughs> something sus. She yep. said it was suspicious. Mama V, tell me what you think now. I was going to say, I want to I hear thoughts, because this is, it is, it's one of those ones that you're like, I, I don't even know, I can't, I keep just, like, repeating myself. You're like, whoa, and then you're like, oh. <laughs> and that's that folks international <laughs> folks anyway let us know what you guys think like if you were a crazy sleuther like nicole and were looking into it like what you what your thoughts on it were before you found out that the lid was open and stuff well it's like and i think i i think that was the way most of the internet was until this documentary right. i i had never in any of my searches, heard that the lid was cl- the lid was open. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know anything. It was police confirmed the lid was closed, so that was fact. Police said it, so that's true. And then, but it the was maintenance a- guy's like, no, it wasn't. The maintenance guy was like, no. And what are the police going to do? Go back on it now? They're not going to go back on that. It's going to make them look bad. And how did that get fucked up? Exactly. Where was the miscommunication? Right, exactly. And, I mean, I will say in the documentary, Santiago Lopez, who was their maintenance worker, speaks fully in Spanish. And you read his subtitles. He, I don't know if he speaks English. And maybe there was a translation error. Oh, yeah, maybe. That could be possible that maybe they misheard him. The translator said, oh, blah, blah, blah. And that that was wasn't, it was not what he actually had said. I didn't even think about that. I forgot that. I forgot about that. Yeah. <gasps> so, yeah. That is the not so mysterious death of Elisa. Sad. I feel terrible for her and her family. Major bummer that she died. They, is in they like, created a memorial outside the parents' restaurant after they found the body. It was really sad. Oh. I'm going to do that. I don't like that. Yeah. Very, very heartbreaking. So, yeah. (laughs) That was my depressing and confusing case. Very confusing. It, like, weaves you. I was, like, trying to put things in an order 
that made sense when explaining them because in the documentary they would just like hit pop, you pop, pop, they pop, like pop. hit you with a fact and then would be like oh but we also knew this and it would like hop back in the timeline and i was like whoa 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 and you know me i like to tell a story yeah I like a front to end story yeah and i had a really hard time putting it in order i was like <laughs> i read through them again my notes again today because I was like, I need to make sure that this makes sense. That this makes sense. And I like, I like sat for a few minutes and just like read, I read it like a book. And was like, okay. And I did, I did end up changing a few things today. I like moved a bunch of shit around because I was like, that just doesn't sound right. And even still, when I was just reading them, I could have probably like, fuck is this? Boop <laughs> gone. I said this twice. Boop gone. Like, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, on another note, Macy's. <laughs> Uh, where can they find us? <laughs> we are everywhere, friends. Um, We are on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash podcast and you will find us. Patreon.com slash podcast. We have two tiers of um, membership levels. Um, patronage. A patronage. I don't know why um, I said it like that. <laughs> I love it. Um. <laughs> It's a dollar or two dollars. We're cheap dates. Um, you get we kind of use our Patreon as a blog, so we have all sorts of fun things that we do. We put up bonus. Well, put we're gonna be starting to put up more bonus content. Um, we're gonna be doing um a lot of like Patreon exclusives where <laughs> they'll get things first. Like last month, they got um everybody that was a Patreon got the episodes two days early. Things like that. We really want to make this podcast a better experience for all of you. Um, so if you feel so inclined, please go on there and um, and consider donating some money. And your money will go to bettering our podcast. Yes, for it you. will. For your listening experience. For your earballs. Your earballs. Um, <laughs> we are on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. At Buzzkillers Podcast. And on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. At Buzzkillers Pod. Um, and at, on TikTok. Which we still haven't posted anything which we on. We still haven't posted anything on. <laughs> we've been, we're terrible we're, we've been like, we're on TikTok for the last like two months and we have not posted a thing. I mean, thing. you can follow us if you want. There's nothing there yet, but well, there will be fun things. That's at Buzzkillers podcast too. Correct. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so only one is at Buzzkillers pod. Okay. Yes. And we are on YouTube. If you go in that handy dandy search bar and type in Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast, you will find us. Um, if we get to a hundred subscribers, we will get our own customized URL, so mm. it will not be difficult to find us anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go and like and subscribe, uh, please. Um, and we are everywhere you can find and listen to your podcast we are on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, amazon music slash audible iHeartRadio, pandora and and our host platypus Podbean. um and we also have a handy dandy website it's www.buzzkillerspodcast.com you can go on there and read about the wines that we drink you can read a little bit about us you can listen on there as well and you can send us a message if you feel so inclined Give us your cases. Give us your topics. Give us your own spooky experiences, things you want us to cover. Just say hi. Anything you want, we are open to and would love to hear from you about. We love you. We do love you. In any way, shape, and form. And (laughs) and if you don't want to do that, you can also um, send us an email at buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. 
Hell yeah. So they said. And we have one more episode of Cecil, Cecil Hotel. Hotel so stay tuned. Next episode is my episode. It's going to be a little different than what we've been doing for the last three. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be way interesting. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited. It's going to be cool. Um, I yeah, and and I like we've said we have things planned. October to no October and November are already planned. As I still and, and swear to God, we planned December too, and I cannot remember. Maybe we did. This is why I got a, I got us the planners. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down already in the planner. What every month is so far. I did. So and I'm like marking my episodes. I'm like, this is your week. This is your week. Yep. This is your week. So um, yeah, we've got some things planned for October. Because guys, you know we got to be a little spooky in October. Of course we do. Because we're spooky beaches. We are the spookiest beaches. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so um. Don't be a buzzkill. Be a buzzard. Okay, we love you. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.